This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. It's always great to watch uh, the guests who don't know this show question whether or not they should be on this during the intro Uh, song. That (laughs) intro should answer all questions. That's a good idea. What am I doing here? Who are these people? Um, Uh, I'm sorry. I know I just got here, but something came up and I do have to go. No, you stay right there. Short one. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our trusty producer, Riley Bray, I like that you double finger. I double gun yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I sh- really should have a camera Feeling on you at all. Feeling spicy right now. Um, tonight's guest, you just heard her. She's got to go. Sorry, everyone. She's a comedian, an actor. She was a new face of JFL, just for laughs, for those who aren't in the know. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please say goodbye to Nina Tarr. Nina Tarr. Hey, hey. Pleasure to be here. Hey. Pleasure to be here. Got to go. Uh, yeah, whoa. New friend to us, but old friends with. <laughs> With Riley. True. True. So how do you guys were just getting into how you met each other? We met if I, I mean, if I'm correct. I think you are. If folklore is about. uh, No, I. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, the ethos of our friendship generated from the fact that we both know a woman named Domino who, (laughs) uh, you know, her name's Domino. So she's definitely in the. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hearing voices too. I got it. It's oh done. my god, this oh, is already so spooky, it's guys. This is, uh, yeah, that was really weird. A little Halloween in December. Hey, Hamilton hey. playing in my pocket. Wow, all of a sudden. that's a tell. Uh, oh, yeah. That's so, really brave of you to admit that seriously. into a microphone. <laughs> well, the problem is You're the first song on my uh, iTunes is Aaron Burr, and it's an AA. Oh, so yeah. it always plays first I get the some Ed off. Sheeran song. It drives me nuts. Every time I get in the car, it's the first thing that comes yeah, on. You poor Sucks. thing. I'm so yeah. sorry. This is a disaster already. Thank you for being here. I'm haunted. On the final Bigfoot. Like, this is your personal paranormal history. Yes. Things I, are happening. It would be great if you found out that like this is just an empty studio. And oh, yeah. no one here. I realize I'm just huffing paint fumes in a corner. I'm just imagining all of this nice equipment. Really, it's just other bums were <laughs> drinking turpentine <laughs> sniffing paint it could happen. hey i it's mean not, i gotta go talk it's not that far uh, last well, week we talked about gnomes that lived in sheds so you might run into one of those gnomes are cool yeah, oh, yeah. well you think that till they eat the koi fish out of your pond yeah at 3 a.m is that a euphemism no <laughs> no <laughs> true, true hey brother i know exactly what you're talking about they need to bring back jobs <laughs> Um, okay, wait. So, so folklore. Uh, folklore. Oh, yeah. So, yes. I know Riley because we're friends with this girl named Domino. And um, one of the X Force. Yes. Well, I think she's actually named Domino from 007. Cool. Oh. Remember that movie? Yeah. It has that, one of those. That James Bond movie. One. It's so weird for Bond. a father to be like, I'm going to name my daughter. <laughs> After a woman, James Bond fucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's a little creepy. I mean, I think it was Roger Moore era yeah. mm. instead of Sean Connery. Anyway, sorry. I'm interrupting myself. No. So about seven years, eight years ago? I'd say about there, yeah. Yeah. Um, we were taking acid in a teepee in Echo Park. I love that. And it was, a, I think it was New Year's, I believe. It was, yeah. And I, you know, I'm a silly gal, you know, and I'm a little... 
I'm a little fun, you know. Uh, <laughs> fucking fun, fuck you. Hey, hey, if anybody's out there questioning this, I'm very fun. I, <laughs> I think I was making everyone in the teepee. It was about 15 of us or so. We were smushed in there. Sounds real fun. And I made everybody repeat after me, which is like a fun game you can do on psychedelics, where mm. you just try to tell a story and you have other people repeat it. Anyway, I think that's how we became friends. Yeah, and. Uh, you How'd know. you get that TP to Echo Park? How'd you put cultural that? appropriation? Yeah, <laughs> <That's how. laughs> took the cultural <laughs> appropriation train. I was going to be like, how'd you get fifteen people at a TP? Yeah, it was cozy. That's amazing. I'm surprised they didn't shut the TP the TP down. Once people just stop, like just kind of unstack. Like, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> That was a great uh, New Year's, though. Oh, man. What are your other <laughs> stories? What is your personal paranormal history? We like to ask everyone that I, question. I have, I, have a few, I have a few accounts. Oh, good. Um, I have mean, you seen a ghost? Have I seen a ghost? Uh, oh, God. I'm sure everyone says this. We're like, like, I didn't see a ghost, but I definitely felt a presence. No, How many times do people well, say that? No, actually, we wish more. I mean, really? we love all our guests. But sometimes do you have a lot of like, skeptics? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a skeptic, and then you're turning into one. Yeah, I really oh, am. I do have a very okay. I have. I'm one, very open. I'll believe anything. I actually so. have one ghost story that did happen to me personally, and it's pretty scary and pretty fucking cool. Okay. Um, it's I didn't see. Okay, I'll just I'll say it, and and I've heard other ghost stories from friends and other places that I've worked at or been at that have like been allegedly affected uh you know by the spirits mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. um so but i'm not a big i don't know i'm we'll get I'm, into it we'll i'm get as into realistic it. as the next person okay, okay? Sure. so but you know who am i to say that something isn't real you're you know? in a, i would you're never in negate a, somebody's experience this is a safe place all right you guys just like are like fucking loser, <laughs> you dumb bitch. We come here to negate everyone's experience. <laughs> uh, so tell, I'm, okay, I'm do tell. Excited. Okay, so I was about sixteen years old, and I used to work at this place called the Heritage Community Center in Irvine, California, mm-hmm. Orange County, and I. It was late. I was volunteering there, I believe. I think it was community service. I was a bad kid, and I think I had to do community service. Okay, Regardless, I'm connecting the dots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. <laughs> is, is she a bad girl? <laughs> <laughs> um. So I was working there. It was in the winter time, so like it got dark at around this time, like five thirty p.m. And me and the camp counselor kind of late. She basically like ran the community center. Um. It was just me and her, and we're filling out paperwork. All the kids had gotten picked up and everything. Children from ages like five to like, you know, 11 or something like that. And so all the lights were off. We had kind of, we're about to lock everything. And I'd heard stories that this was built, the Heritage Community Center was built in 1971. Uh, Prior to that in Orange County, it was just orange groves, a lot of like farmland and whatnot. And there was a story about how a boy died from... Some tractor incident. A thresher. Yeah, Mm. something like that. Um, And then there was another girl who drowned in the pool at the Heritage Community Center in the late 70s. I feel like there was a lot of 70s parenting happening at this place. Oh, yeah, man. No parenting at all. That's the sexiest kind of parenting. (laughs) Hands off, key party, baby. Everyone just puts their kids in a (laughs) fishbowl. Babe, I'm busy. Go play in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mommy's talking. <laughs> so you're telling me this place is haunted? Yeah, apparently. And I mean, there's just like a lot of like nefarious kind of talk about the place and everything. But I just, again, I just think that these are older people kind of fucking with kids because it's hilarious to do that. It's really fun. So come on. This just camp counselor mentality. Yeah, come on. You got to pull a little leg from a seven-year-old, you know, yeah. and do a tractor, for example. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so... We're closing up. It's Tina, actually. She was the name of my my supervisor, kind of manager person there. And uh, me and Tina are locking up, and we hear just... Uh, not a thud, more like a banging on a window. So the way that this uh, heritage... Like a leg being shot out of a thresher and hitting the window? <laughs> exactly Same that sound. sound. Same <laughs> exact sound. Same sound. Um, 
they no well so so this community center it was two stories and it had kind of a loft space and then there was kind of gla- on the loft space area there was a like a pool table and a foosball table and uh, glass that had kind of covered it covered the so am i making sense yeah, in yeah, any yeah. structural yeah. way we're with you <laughs> tables and glass that makes sense tables and glass my favorite brian eno album <laughs> <laughs> Actually, really would be a good one. <laughs> you can tell already. It's David Byrne and Brian Eno. Oh, of course. <laughs> Back together. Oh, God. Okay. So we just hear this like banging on glass. We're like, oh, that's definitely coming from this room. And we go, nothing's there. I'm getting a little spooked out. I've also heard these stories and everything. And there's always kind of this talk. And there was a guy that I worked with. He was a little bit older in his early 20s. And he in a very earnest and genuine manner told me about how he saw like a little girl or something. And, and so people would talk about it from time to time. It was thematic element working there, you know? So we hear that we go back into the office. We hear it again. She's like, there's probably something upstairs and she's totally skeptical. We go upstairs. And so the pool table, you know how they have like pool table covers, those like leather or vinyl rather kind of things they put mm-hmm. over pool tables. So we always fasten those to the pool tables and like, you know, put everything back. I mean, for a bad kid, it sounds like you did a pretty good job. Good cleanup job. Yeah. yeah. I'm a good kid now. <laughs> I just have made a lot of poor choices That's in my fine. life. Hey, you and me both. Which elicit for good fucking stories. Okay. Amen. Like the time I beat up a little girl ghost after she took the pool. Tale, pool table cover that I carefully fastened <laughs> off. Ghost or not, that bitch got Have you ever it. tried to put a fitted sheet on a fucking pool table? <laughs> okay. It's not easy. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the the pool cues, like, you know how they have a rack of pool mm-hmm. cues? Okay, this is fucking terrifying, and I saw this with my own eyes, and I don't know, you want to make sense of it and everything, because it's just like, I, I, th- I feel like somebody was fucking with us. That's what I think. After like years of kind of thinking about this, because it was really fucking freaky. This is a Jen Kirkman point of view here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. She's been on the show a few times. She's like, I think it's just people fucking with people. I think it's people <laughs> fucking with me because what I saw, and this was like my like last two weeks of working there too. So I'm like, maybe this was like some hazing thing. I don't know. The pool ta- the the pool cues. The pool cues were on the floor, like taken off on the floor. In a uniform fashion. Oh, and by the way, sorry, I, I kind of skipped a part. The The reason why I brought up the um, the vinyl covering over the pool table is because we heard the clanking of balls. It was first clanking of balls, and then what made us go up was the banging on the glass. Whoa. And then we went up there, the pool cues were on the floor, like just totally spaced out. And like there evenly? Was, yes. Yeah. And that was so fucking scary, like equidistant yeah. from one another, about five of them. And then... You know, that we heard, you can hear pool balls clanking. I mean, we work there all day. Kids play pool all fucking day. It's like, it's a, Second nature. It's a kiddie pool hall, <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah, right. One of them it. looks like Paul Newman. We do a whole bit, okay? Hell yeah. <laughs> it's fun. They, the we give kids, them little stogies. They walk around. <laughs> the kids love it. <laughs> so that, I, that was really weird. And what alarmed me the most is that Tina, you know, this... 42 year old female who works at the manager of this heritage community center she ain't fucking brando okay she's not gonna she's not gonna be she, if she was fucking with me she would be like oh, <laughs> right. Whoa, oh what's the, the, pretty freaky huh so Don't look upstairs. this is pretty spooky huh yeah. <laughs> so she didn't do that she was genuinely terrified and she just stopped and she was like Let's just go downstairs and let's lock up and let's go. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And we didn't fucking talk about it. That is a real response. That is a <laughs> yeah. real response and an acceptable response. I mean, what are we going to do? Freak out? No. Leave immediately. Yeah. You I just leave? Yeah. That yeah. sounds like the, the response of quiet terror. Yes, absolutely. Which sure. I, I think is actually the best response to have. Yeah. It's the most pragmatic approach. I agree. I would have put the pool cues back. You would, uh, yeah. I, it's a tripping hazard. A good hazard. girl would have put the cue in the pool cues back. <laughs> and that's why, yeah. And that's how I violated my community service. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we have a game on this uh, show we like to play, and it's called Bullshit or Believe It. Okay. All right. And what it is, it's a, it's a rapid fire game. 
And what you're going to, I'm going to go down a list of things and you're going to tell me bullshit if you don't believe it or believe it if you do believe it. If it's somewhere in between, you can use intonation, but you got to pick one of those two words. Okay. Got it? Okay. So I can't say like, believe it. But you can can (laughs) be like, believe it if you don't, you know what I mean? Okay. All right. Oh, okay. You got it, right? Right, right? Tone. All right. Tone is important. It's all about tone. Precision and tone is important in this game. Love it. I get mad at people when they don't follow the rules. I'll follow. You don't want to see Michael when he's I'm going to tax the community (laughs) service on your sentencing. All right, here we go. On your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Angels. <laughs> Angels. Mm, I believe it. Gnomes. <laughs> Bullshit. Fairies. Bullshit. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. <clears throat> believe it. Grayskin aliens. Oh, believe it. <laughs> Parallel universes. Believe it. Reptilians disguising themselves as humans. Bullshit. Mermaids. Uh. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Good for you. Heaven. Uh. Believe it. I mean, okay. We'll come back. Okay. I I, I have a lot to say. Yeah. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Dragons. Nah, believe it. Yeti. Believe it. Elves. Don't believe it. No, bullshit. ESP. Oh, God, get out of here. <laughs> oh, wait, you already left. You just, I forgot. You're already <laughs> left. Oh, my goodness. It's radio. You guys that, don't know what's happening. That was Bryce. That's Bryce again. Uh, take that. <laughs> ESP. Believe it. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Demons. <laughs> We're getting some Believe classic I'm sorry, facial I'm, expressions. I get a lot of Deniro. I'm throwing so much De Niro face at these yeah. guys. Oh my god. This is a method actor playing this. <laughs> Demons. I said believe it. Oh, okay, sorry. Atlantis. Uh, bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Believe it. Peace in the multiverse. Believe it. All right, cool. Amazing. All right, good. Well done. Wait, well right. done. Uh, you were hardcore believer on on a- alien grays. You were like, oh, for sure. Um, yeah. I just okay. So let me talk about my interpretation of the truth and oh, what people believe because good. I think that this is really where I'm coming from with this. I think that if you put enough belief into something, it makes it true. Oh, because yeah. in a neurological sense, it is true. People like, for example, if you give somebody a polygraph test and if they believe it, then they're not telling the tr- you know, if somebody truly believes that like I was abducted by a gray alien and X, Y, Z happened and they really believe it to the point where they take a polygraph test, they're going to reflect that they're telling the truth. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the truth Which is a doesn't very, mean they're lying. The truth can be right. a subjective reality is my thing. So I think that if people believe in heaven and hell, there's so many people that do that. It is, there's a version of that. That's true for people. I like that. So I'm, I'm putting things in more of a metaphysical sense as opposed to a concrete sense. Are you, do you think of it ever as like the whole Tulpa thing where it's an imaginary uh, thing that is actually brought forth to life through the power of belief? I think it can be, but I think that that's more of a, it's more of a projected interpretation of Got people. It. It, it doesn't need to be tangible in, in any sense uh, or exist in a plane that we're used to seeing. Uh, but I think, again, it's, it's it's the power of religion, for example, as well. You know, enough people believe in something that it's true. You know, you think about these constructs we have. Um, money. We equate paper to value because we believe in the system well, of paper, capitalism. Paper is the most valuable substance yeah, on the planet. You know that. Yeah, dude. No papers. You know no. it's good. No, you know that's <laughs> you know that's good for you, right? <laughs> uh, and I, I think that because of that, because there's so many things that we 
put power and belief and energy into. Uh, and energy is just really a word to represent a larger kind of swath <clears throat> of uh, power, really. You yeah, know, that's sure. it. That's it. So I think because of that, all of these things are true, you know? And I think with the Loch Ness Monster thing, too, it's like you missee something. Your, bra- your brain creates, it, it normalizes the things that it sees. And it creates a narrative because that is the beauty and fascination of the human brain is that when we look at something, our brain isn't like, that doesn't make sense. Our brain will immediately make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So there's this great, do you know Oliver Sacks? Great yeah, yeah. writer. Name rings a bell, yeah, yeah. It's great, great kind of a scientist who would uh, qualify his science as opposed to quantify it, which uh, he was, you know, a big stir in the scientific community for doing so, but ended up being, you know, honored for many accolades after. He, one of his last books that he wrote uh, when he died, he died actually just a few years ago, was... How when our when we mishear something, it's I think the the book is called Mishearings or something or the essay rather. Um, but when when he, when we mishear something, we don't hear a jumbling of words. We actually hear words because our brain is always trying to make sense of something. So if you hear like, I'll, I'll maybe you're like caterpillar rainbow you know just right, right, right. you're it, you'll never hear nonsense your brain won't hear audible also mush. an album by brian eno audible mush. <laughs> no that's like uh that's rainbow. a i feel like yeah caterpillar rainbow no that seems more like, like a, a prog rock yeah, it's, it's band. a bit more proggy totally. yeah but uh same with whatever it just said I mush corrected yeah, mush. audible mush audible is mush. Uh, just like a really bad that's like a bad, jam band yeah, it's yeah. like members of primus and fish oh yeah I, that's exactly what i was thinking mush. <laughs> absolutely um more like not... a terrorist attack on your ears <laughs> <laughs> you uh but you believe in parallel universes yes i do i think mm-hmm. that it's um silly to believe that we're the only incarnation of what's happening you know like you know David Cox, you know that metaphysicist? Sure. He has this really great, um, like, in terms of just, like, parallel universes and kind of the the multiverse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says that we are, we can be simultaneously insignificant. We are pretty insignificant in the scope of, you know, the universe. But we are valuable. And I really like that. Oh, I like that too. Um, We are very valuable because we may be the only life form that are atoms contemplating other atoms. We we are atoms that can contemplate other atoms. And there's there's not actually well, consciousness is different than that because we have this like cognitive ability to like understand mortality, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. But um, yes, I I I believe that. yeah, parallel universes. Also, you said something about life on other planets. Yeah. So, yeah, there is definitely life on other well, planets. But how do you define life? Well, this is people what, like us. No, that's what this is what uh, I was thinking of. I love that we're like at the point in like our cultural conversation where we're kind of moving past the idea of life on other planets. That's nice. To like life in other universes, like uh, life in other <laughs> dimensions. For sure. You know that we're really starting to think more in in a big, much bigger way than just like what else is out there on another in another solar system. It's like yeah. what is just beyond the veil right here in another completely different dimension. Um Let me ask you this, Yeti no Bigfoot, huh? Well, okay, it's all about Yeti no Bigfoot? <laughs> Yeti no Bigfoot. <laughs> That's what you guys sound Jamaican in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, the there, no Bigfoot. There comes that cultural appropriation train coming down the hill again. Sorry everybody. <laughs> well, Yeti no Bigfoot? Just Yeti? What? I feel like same with Okay, Yeti it's just people misseeing shit and making sense of it and trying to normalize this thing that they saw. Same with like Chupacabra. So maybe, yeah, it's all kind of bullshit, but it's like enough people see the same thing. It's like when people see gray a- aliens, you're just like, fuck, why are you guys all seeing the same thing? Collective yeah. unconsciousness, like, me thinks. If, yeah. if we can bring you back around on Chupacabra, we've done our work. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Mission right. accomplished. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's going to be time for a little high strangeness yeah. with Bryce Johnson. I think you'll like this one. Oh, and we'll give you an opportunity to explain infinity this week. Too. Oh, no, please, God, no. <laughs> no, it's going to happen. <laughs> Impossible. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryloth, defeat the buzzing. <laughs> oh, oh my god. The buzzing has defeated you, Ryloth. Wait, Actually work? worked. No, uh, no. We was we were brothers. <laughs> you were supposed to bring balance to the force, not defeat oh, it. Oh jeez. Wow, this narrative is... I'm pretty hooked on this. You're supposed to defeat the Sith, not join them. Don't do it, Ryloth. I, like your... I have the higher ground. <laughs> I like Wait. your fuckable princess voice. <laughs> it's hot. Ryloth. <laughs> Ryloth. I did it. Yay. You did it. Ryloth saves the kingdom. You did it, Ryloth. <laughs> new spinoff podcast. <laughs> All right, it's time for High Strangeness with our old friend, Bryce Johnson. Yay! Claps for himself. (laughs) All right, good. Well, so let's see where to begin on this one. We all remember losing our virginity, I hope. I've not done it yet. Okay. Saving myself. Well, for For my funeral. For Queen Amidala. (laughs) (laughs) When I meet Queen Amidala, then it'll be time. What happened to your words? (laughs) I don't know what you heard. When I hear Queen Amidala. Queen Queen Amidala is so worse. For David Huggins, he says at the start of the documentary Love and Saucers, well, when I was 17, I lost my virginity to a female extraterrestrial. Yeah! And that's all I have to say about that. Fucking dank. (laughs) Totally, right? So David Huggins is kind of a quiet and unassuming 74-year-old who uh, lives alone in his small apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey. And uh, I basically was really interested in this documentary. It's called Love and Saucers. It was directed by a guy named Brad Abraham. Have you heard of it? I have, but I have not seen it. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Um Huggins was born in rural Georgia in 1944, and in uh, in Love and Saucers, he talks about when he was a child and and uh, growing up on the small farms there, and he would you know um, kind of hunt around for arrowheads. Really, a kind of a kind of just a, an old porn mags in the woods. <laughs> an old porn mags in the woods. Oh, callback, <laughs> callback. But no, just like life on the small farm. Um, and he describes how his uh, grandparents would take him to these Baptist camp revivals, which really kind of early on turned him off of religion. Uh, he got a bad taste in his mouth for that. But anyway, the story uh, gets a little crazy when he started seeing strange beings that no one else could see that would appear to him around the farm. And uh, at a young age of when he was around eight, he thought he was losing his mind. He says in the documentary, I'm sitting under a tree and I hear this voice Ryloth. No, it wasn't Ryloth. Ryloth. It said, David, behind you. And he said he turned around and there was this little hairy guy with large glowing eyes coming straight towards him. Danny (laughs) DeVito? It was Danny DeVito. (laughs) David! (laughs) No, he said, I thought it was the boogeyman. I didn't know what to think of it, he says. And another day, oh, so the large hairy uh, creature tells him to follow him. He said, David behind you? Yeah. And so he looks around and he sees David this, behind you. What, what kind of <laughs> looks like uh, a tiny hairy Sasquatch. Whoa. And, um, and he follows it out to this field um, where there's this like glowing kind of uh, saucer. And, uh, and the next thing he knows, he's inside this craft where there's like these three kind of tiny gray alien beings. Also, he would describe uh, this insect type being that was always in and around 
the craft. Dude, so we got Greys, you got gray- Bigfoot, yeah. and a Mantis. Yeah. Those are like some classic uh, high strangeness aliens right there. Oh, he's yeah. got the full One, house two, of the deck. He's really yeah, got, he's got, the, almost yeah. got the royal flush. He's yeah. got the royal flush of uh of All he alien needs is paranoia. a new scene in the Nordic in a Drake Draco. And he's good well, to hold go. on. The story gets stranger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so in, it's about the insect. He said another day. An insect I just have to say, this being. is like a twisted version of Winnie the Pooh where David's like version of Hundred Acre Woods is like this weird acid trip yeah, in was, a flying saucer. And he's Christopher Robbins. Basically, a fucked up Christopher Robbins. Um, another day, an insect-like being that reminded Huggins of a praying mantis appeared. He said, I was terrified. It was like, what in the world am I looking at? And for an eight-year-old, you know, you don't know what to think. Now, once the shock wore off, Huggins says his encounters were weird, but not all that threatening. Um, and they would have, they, they happened a multitude of times, uh, so much so that he, you know, he remembers going to his parents saying, you know, um, there's this thing outside, you know, I need you to come look at it. And they said, you know, and his dad would be like, there's nothing there, you know. And he remembers seeing this one. So not only did he see the three grays, but he saw this tall gray alien with dark black hair. Um, it was a female alien he would go on later to name Crescent. Um, and she wore this black wig. And uh, anyway. A wig? Yeah. Well, he later knew it was would, a wig. He's like, that's a wig. Well, well, <laughs> that's he, a weave job. That's a wig, girl. <laughs> he said that because uh, later on in another interview, he described it, uh, you know, because these type of events happened to him so many times throughout his life. And st- he said they still occur. I'm picturing her looking like the uh, tall, sexy alien well, from Mars Attacks. Let me provide. Oh, yeah. That was like Ooh. the weird doll the lady. Dress. Yeah, in the yeah. red dress. Let me provide some pictures time, to pass around. Now, what makes his story interesting is that he would go on to paint all of his encounters, oil on canvas. Uh, and, you know, so here's some pictures. I'm going to pass it around. These are his. And up there you can see the little hairy creature. I would totally buy this work right it is so cool it, you know it's quite menacing but yet it, it also has a calming effect it's very childlike yeah whoa, this is ri- this is whoa. merging my two interests um the love of art history i did major in it because i am a white woman well and <laughs> and so, aliens dude my so he remembers cool. his dad basically you know whipping him saying you know quit making this shit up and he he felt really bad about that, and he went and he just and he described he told it to Crescent, the tall gray alien. He said, "You know, my parents don't believe you know that I'm seeing you." And she, her response was, "Don't tell them anymore. You know, don't tell them what's happening." And so, basically, after that, he kind of left Georgia in the mid '60s for art school in New York City, and the beings followed him. Nocturnal visits from Crescent, the E.T. who deflowered him, became routine. Wait, wait, wait. wait. When did they do deflowered it? Deflowered him? Yes. Yeah, so, oh, uh, I, I guess I kind of skipped yeah. that part. Oh, that's yeah. the okay. part. Buried the lead there. Yeah, Whoa, I did. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. So, I guess when he was 17, uh, he remembers. Now, this is after about eight years of contact with these creatures. And, and there was a lot of sexual kind of activity in the craft. But it wasn't until he was 17 so she's an adult alien grooming this child. I'd have, she's a I'm Mary Kay Letourneau. Okay. She's, wait, <laughs> yeah. she's waiting, though, because she's like, well, at 17, we are in Georgia. I believe the age yeah. of consent here is uh, fetus. So <laughs> To one day, he remembers being out in a field and then basically, you know, this being Crescent having sex with him. Um, and there's a, there's a picture of it, a painting that he took of it. I want that painting i know it's very good he says my relationship with crescent was warm and friendly a little strange what do i mean a little very strange (laughs) she was my girlfriend huggins says a very unconventional relationship now one of the first paintings huggins ever made was of him and crescent angelica houston (laughs) yeah she looks like angelica houston in the adams family totally now that was one of the first paintings he had he made of them having sex he says, the painting's not really all that good. She was on top of me. Um, I reached my <laughs> climax. Then she and the insect being leave. You know, the insect being was always okay, around. Okay, important question, though. <laughs> did he make her come? Right? <laughs> Is he a selfish lover? <laughs> Are you just writing softcore porn for this podcast now? float this idea of a screenplay? Maybe. <laughs> I call bullshit. Are we still <laughs> playing that game? We got to get this you out is- of that cast. <laughs> oh, my God. Similar paintings fill his apartment. They're surreal and a little childlike. Um, Now, 
Another thing that sets Huggins apart from most people with alien abduction stories is that he paints his encounters. Uh, Starting in 1987, when Huggins started remembering details from early visits, he says the deluge was triggered to him by Bud Hopkins' book, Intruders, The Incredible Visitations of Copley Woods. I was going to say this, this, honestly, when you were talking about the hairy creature leading him out into the woods, Mm -hmm. this reminded me so much out of stories from... uh, Deborah Cobble and the Copley Woods incident yeah. that we did with Bree Blair. Yeah, that's Elements right. This really reminded me of that. Yeah, that's right. And so From when she was a kid. Bud Hopkins <clears throat> is a famed abduction researcher, an artist himself in his own mm. right. But he said he felt a he felt a compulsion to buy this book. And when he when he finally found it, he couldn't put it down. And then he came across a section called Other Women, Other Men. And he said he started reading it and he goes, Oh my God, this is the woman I've never told anyone about. And as he was reading it, memory upon memory came flooding back to him. It was image upon image that wouldn't stop. Uh, I think he says what bothered me most is that I didn't know what to do with it. I was so scared. He actually thought he was kind of losing his mind there. But So he's flooded back with uh, remembrances of these images. It says he seemed like he was going crazy, not from being able to process these experiences that happened to him. What were they? Why him? It really sounded like he was losing his grip on reality, the director says. And then apparently he got this message from the beings that he should paint his experiences. And as soon as he started doing that, it changed him. He said it was a release, able to sleep at night for the first time in weeks. And since then, he's painted every single detail of every encounter, uh, over a hundred different paintings. And uh, basically that was a big part of the, the documentary. And... um once he found a way to show that to the rest of the world or even just to himself, visually through art, he was able to process and make sense of, come to peace with whatever that happened to him. Um, and so this is just, you know, I know this is such a, a, a visual medium that I wanted to bring oh, to we'll the story. We'll put all these up on the Instagram. We'll put Don't a couple worry. of these on there, but You'll I highly recommend if you're, if you're listening to just Google David Huggins and then go through his images because there's actually a book uh, created by... Um, I mean, there's over 120 paintings, and these are just four of them, or four or five of them. But some of them are so surreal. And you see these, like, him on these ships, and there's these, like, he calls them mantid beings, the insect creatures that are always there. This sounds like that story, too, that you were talking about, the Bigfoot UFO connection. There was, like, the the alien carrying a baby Bigfoot. Yeah. Or a Bigfoot carrying an alien baby. Well, that's what attracted me to this story, was it seemed to have all the cast of characters. Now, I know it's not a a Bigfoot in the sense that it's some, like, eight-foot, you know, hominid running around the woods. It's it's more of a smaller creature, but he described those yellow glowing eyes that sometimes you'll read in those Bigfoot accounts. This is bizarre. Yeah, it's totally bizarre. Um, I anyway. just turned and our guest is gone. <laughs> <laughs> she was having so much fun. And she's Sorry, gone. y'all. I'm playing Fruit Ninja. Yeah. <laughs> also in the sorry, uh, y'all. You got Farmville I, points because I'm not interested in this conversation. Looks like a rack of some good Farmville yeah. points. <laughs> I just completely switched. Oh, that's <laughs> so amazing. Like, who is she? Uh, in the documentary, there's a man named Jeffrey Kripal who they interview, and he's a professor of philosophy and religious thought at Rice University in Texas. He spent the early part of his career studying erotic mysticism, which led him to study alien abduction literature. He says the whole history of religion is essentially about weird beings coming from the sky and doing strange things to human beings. And historically, those events or encounters have been framed as angels or demons or gods or goddesses, what have you. But in the modern sort of secular world we live in, they get framed as science fiction, he says in Love and Saucers. Now, this is kind of what you were saying. Cripley believes Huggins. He says the mix of terror and euphoria Huggins describes lines up with age-old descriptions of humans encountering the sacred. Plus, details of Huggins' abductions mirror those described by other people Kripal has interviewed who believe they've had supernatural experiences. He says, I'm completely convinced they're not lying. They're being very sincere. But again, what it is is an entirely different question, and that's where I think that we need a lot more humility. Um, yeah, uh, Anyway, Huggins says about the impulse to explain away what we do not understand and our limited ability to interpret those sensation and experiences and ran- <laughs> are basically just randomly Someone's firing doing a victory lap over here yep. that come with being human. This is exactly what you were talking about. Hey, man, truths <clears throat> are just your interpretation of what you think is real, man. Yeah. 
Um, he it, just had sex with a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> when when asked about why he thought this was happening to him, you know, David kind of replies, "I have a feeling that tens of million people, perhaps hundreds of millions, have had similar experiences, mainly as children." That's all I can really say, but I think as children we're so open to things that these beings can appear to us. I know I never closed up on it because it has continued throughout my whole life. Now, just a, a little preamble. David's not on any medications or has never has he been institutionalized at any time in his life. He says he's never had an illness a day in his life, not even a cold. His paintings manifest from memories of abduction. <laughs> now I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Honestly, I was like, and there come the little details. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's never question. had a cold. I'm like, totally. he's a psychopath. Sicko. <laughs> what a fucking liar. Fucking insanity. <laughs> I was with him up until then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I should have left that out. <laughs> His paintings manifest from memories of abductions from the age of eight to the present day. People all over the world have reported similar experiences as David's. Mm-hmm. David seems to be suffering from sort of a, a Stockholm syndrome. Uh, the person that wrote his uh, book uh, seems to say he has accepted his lifelong enslavement as a sort of gift. He feels protected by these beings <laughs> yeah. and claims they have saved it his is. life <laughs> on one or more than occasion. He's generally grateful for their, their, for their intrusion in his life. Now, David's paintings may be the work of a madman, or David may be the victim of childhood trauma abuse, or the most radical scenario of all, David may be painting the truth. Oh boy. Boy, boy, boy. What I loved about this guy is he's uh he's a really unassuming, quiet, sincere man. He's not profiteering off any of this stuff. He rarely sells a painting. Um but it's you know, it seems like he's um just a guy who's working through these experiences that he says he continues to have. Well, I'll say this. <clears throat> yeah. And then I'm gonna ask our guest the fable question. But well, this one, yeah, this is a uh, real tough one to unpack. I think it's mostly because it, it's, there's a lot there. The art is amazing. The art is Stories amazing. are cool. I'm concerned about his age when these began. And I would say that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Like maybe he is processing some trauma and doing it in a very creative and maybe self-empowering way. Yeah. Or this is truth. I don't think he's crazy. Well, now in that last picture I showed you, you see the tiny alien being. I mean, he goes on to describe in the documentary, documentary how it was revealed to him that, uh, you know, uh, Crescent comes to him one night and says... Um, you know, you our, have to pay for half. You, I need you some money. <laughs> you owe me fucking money, dude. Uh, no, but that his baby was ill, you know, and so he he demands to go onto the spaceship, and the, she says, "No, you can't go there." And he says, "No, I'm going there." He demands it, so he passes out on his bed. He says he wakes up through a portal onto this ship, where he sees the baby is kind of listless, and he's like, "No, you're carrying it wrong." And so he's like, you need to cradle the baby. He touches the baby and a re- and some sort of spark of life kind of <laughs> enters back into the baby. And but but she shows him the, uh, the, uh, these pods where, uh, you know, many more of his children are there. You, you remember reading in. Um, Why do aliens just love milking people? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> they just always they just want to scrape we an must, egg and get a squirt. We, yeah, might, we need really... your milk. He's got yeah, one painting the- where uh, he's breast he's breastfeeding off Crescent. It was a little creepy. I didn't bring it in, but um, <laughs> oh well, thank, <laughs> thank you for sparing welcome. us that part. <laughs> of the story. But doesn't it remind you? Like, I mean, I know we've read uh, some of the same books, even in that book Supernatural. How there, there, or in John Max abduction stories, how these uh, people who have experienced abduction phenomena, they're they're like forced to like interact with their well, alien hybrid there's, babies. There's That's something- very eraser head of their narrative. It's very Lynchian. There's, there's yeah. also some like weird Mother Mary, twisted Mother Mary imagery in these paintings yeah. too that mm-hmm. I would note. Um uh, oh God, I can't believe you brought this in uh, uh, on the night when you you need to get out of here fast. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? Jesus Christ! <laughs> so that's all there is to that. Yeah. And, uh, that's love and saucers. I'm gonna, I throw, closure. I'm gonna throw back to Nina. Closure. What the hell was that? What do you make of this? I this is a very interesting and kind of tepid territory because there is this the young aspect of it is like, yeah, maybe he is trying to normalize and make sense of some sort of trauma that he has endured. And, you know, the brain has a interesting way of sometimes distorting things for our own benefit, you know, and, and the fact that he's kind of, it's, it's 
you know he's already like a creatively ingenious talented artist that's yeah there's something clearly built very captivating about that but also when he talks about like you know when i paint these images and i have this catharsis and it's like yeah because maybe that this is the therapeutic means you need to mm. kind of overcome <laughs> this thing that you don't really feel comfortable talking about and maybe sure. it's a can of worms at this point and he found this way to compartmentalize it so he can make sense of it but Again, it's just, I, I just never feel the need to um, supersede what somebody believes. Great. You know, I just think I that, that it's kind yeah. of, how, how dare I? You know, who the fuck am I? Am well, I the arbiter seg- of truth? This I segues can't. perfectly into our next segment. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Where we ask our guests. How what gives you the right? <laughs> gives you the goddamn you right come to judge my this <laughs> pornographic man's Sick imagination. <laughs> Beautiful interdimensional love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. I, I w- think a fascinating point is, though, is it, it does have some parallels. I mean, the, the mantid being, those insect those insect beings, we've heard about those talked about There's before. a lot of Whitley Strieber in, in this story, too. There really is. You know what I mean? So, I mean, when you, when you run across some of these, like, common threads, you have to... You know, say, are all these people experiencing sort of similar or to the same things? Or is it just like... Do you guys equate any of these experiences to when people take psychedelics and they see the same sort of things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's going through my mind, too, is that maybe he's got a big old natural reserve of DMT in that pineal gland of his. I mean, And he's just like, like... Locking into yeah. some other realities that are crossing over, a and they're like, "Oh, we can milk this one. Let's do it." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, but yeah. if you feel like, I mean, if you've taken any sort of psychedelic and you're kind of thrown into some, you know, cerebral fucking weirdo paradise or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, does that experience necessarily? Does that not occur? No, you know, I, I, I think, think it's as real as it is. Well, I think dreams, you know, dreams, yes. dreams are real. Well, Maybe. if you look at what ne- a most neurologists study is the experience in the subconscious versus the conscious and how that affects, like, there's a lot of things that can happen in the brain that you don't even do physically that can still affect the brain. So, well, you, know. you know, he said he really grappled with this in New York and through art school, he was going, you know, is this real? Is this just a dream? No, yes, yes, no. And to finally, he was like, um, he came up with an idea and he he passed by a flower shop and he decided to buy some flowers for Crescent. He said, I'm going to I'm going to give these to Crescent tonight if she shows up. And uh, lo and behold, she came like she always did that night. And uh, and he showed her the flowers and he said, those flowers are for you. Now, the next morning, he remembers waking up, and the first thing he woke up was he went to check to see where the flowers were, and they were gone. Whoa. At that point, he had decided within himself that this was a real physical happening. Um, and he says he goes on to clean up his apartment that night because he knew she was coming back, and he wanted to wanted it to look nice for her. Wow. I tell you what, what's the name of that uh, documentary? Again? It's called Love and Saucers, okay. and it's on all the uh, the platforms. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's, I it's a watch it's a really this. well done documentary uh, by the same people, the the Orchard, who did. Uh, uh, Jeremy's yeah, film. Oh, yeah. no Honestly, if I yeah, could date so. a guy who would care to clean his apartment before I came over, I mean, <laughs> I would cross three dimensions <laughs> to meet that man. I mean, I'll I drive from the east side to the west side for that. You don't think I'll cross a dimension or two? I wouldn't mind if he was sleeping with a tall gray with oh, a black wig. That's fine. Uh, Nina, thank you so much for being part of this madness. My pleasure. Here's Seriously. what we're gonna do. We're gonna wrap up at this episode, but then Nina and her old friend Riley are gonna have a conversation as a little BCC bonus awesome that we're gonna throw up on the patreon because uh like us i'm sure you want more nina um where can people follow you find your work is there anything coming up you'd like to plug i um yeah i actually uh i'm writing for this adult swim show so oh, no way. i just wrote for an adult swim show really? yeah uh, i'm writing for mostly for millennials oh cool a Derek beckles shows the second season of that so that'll be on awesome. adult swim i believe in june oh, cool. <laughs> so right around the corner uh well let's see yeah i live in la i do a lot of stand-up shows here they're do, pretty is there fun twitter yeah uh, Instagram uh, i'm nina tar and you can follow me on twitter that and my instagram which is a, a bag full of fun is we will be following pizza you. party 69 yeah awesome oh. so, 
That's yeah. Yeah. That sounds like something Crescent threw for David Huggins <laughs> on his 18th birthday. Pizza Party um, 69. Uh, Touche. Riley, anything? Uh, just, you know, photos of trash on the internet at trash bag hashtag. Cool, Brycey. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Bryce O. Johnson. At McMills. And check out my uh, comic book Adventure Van available now at Adventure Van Comic on Instagram as well. Please go over there and follow that. I appreciate it. Um, write in. Call the hotline. It's in the show notes. Um, or Riley's going to tell you the number right now. I can't believe I don't have this memorized That's yet. all right. I know, too. <laughs> It'll be in the show time. notes. And um, call in. Leave us a two-minute message. Give us a story. We'll 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 listen and post it. Um, until next week, or until the Patreon coming up soon. If you're a, a, a trusty subscriber and mm-hmm. pledger, uh, we'll see you next week. What's the number? Three one zero five nine seven four eight zero three. Bryce, describe Call. infinity as we f- go. You got to. It's a new new segment. Go. <laughs> what? Tell Nina what infinity is. It's like. I can't believe you're making me do this. Do it, dude. You get a chance every week to explain it. Okay. Seriously, try to explain it. All right. So, infinity is so infinite. Don't pretend oh, to explain it. No, <laughs> really you can't try use hard. the words of the hard. definition. Yeah, come on. Actually try to explain it. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Figure eight. You want to use that? Yeah. I, analogy? Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Okay, start there. Okay, so... Cyclical, uh, potentially? Yeah, it's cyc- cyclical. <laughs> I'm really trying to help you. The yeah. eyes of panic that oh are just <laughs> looking at me right now. Week two, and it's worse than oh the week God. before. Oh Get ready. We're oh doing this every week. Alien. <laughs> <laughs>